Hello and welcome to Handelsbank and Insights. I'm Daniel Marnie. On this week's episode, we're going to take a deeper dive into the ongoing financial market turbulence following some of the uh, issues we've had in the banking system. And we'll also take a look at uh, interest rate decisions. We obviously had the Bank of England meeting last week and we will review that decision. And I'm delighted to be joined by James Braw, Handelsbank and UK's Chief Economist. So, James, let's have a look at the situation that's going on globally. Can you go into a bit more detail about what's going on? Sure. I think it's, under these, these situations, always good to sort of stand back a little bit and look at some longer term what's, what's been going on. If we look back to 1980, we can see that bond yields were typically around 7 8%, and they've been on a very, very long downward trend. And that's not just guilt rates here in the UK, but that's treasuries or, or um, German German rates and that now the euro rates. They've been on a very, very long downward um, trend until about 2018, 2019, which point they hit zero. Um, and clearly, it's going to be difficult for prices to go down even further, for yields to go down even further from that. Uh, and that means, of course, if the, the yield is the opposite of the price, it means that bond prices were very, very high. And behind that, of course, was the long-term defeat of inflation. But, as we've seen recently, inflation hasn't been defeated in quite the same way that we might have hoped. And the result is that we need to see some sort of real return on money. And there's, there's more of an inflationary concern. As markets got nervous, of course, they started to think, who else might be in trouble? Now, we've seen, for instance, Credit Suisse had a lot of problems over the years. They had a lot of loans to uh, various places in the developing world, which were seen to be a higher risk. And they were also banking a lot of people from Russia and places like that, which, again, was seen to be higher risk. Um, and um, Deutsche Bank uh, was also seen to be high risk. Nothing like as bad as Credit Suisse. If we're judging it by the credit default swaps, which is the cost of um, people insuring uh, their loans against that bank's failure, uh, yes, Deutsche Bank was, was second in the queue, but it was a long way behind Credit Suisse. Even still, once Credit Suisse had failed, people shifted their attention to Deutsche Bank. And, and what we had, of course, at the end of last week, with lots of assurances from the German government that they were going to stand behind Deutsche Bank. And I, I think I take those assurances at face value. I think the German government was going to do whatever to make sure that Deutsche Bank didn't run into longer-term trouble. And, of course, um, this is really, in, in many ways, a market panic. So what we've seen has been a big correction. It's interesting. When you were describing what's happening, you described it as market panic. Uh, so two follow-up questions on that. Do you think the fundamentals justify this market panic? Um, and if not, is this more a crisis of confidence and what should policymakers be doing to ensure our confidence? Well, it was a bit of a, 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 a market panic and um, policymakers in some ways did, did the right thing in terms of you know, they, they rapidly found solutions. We can look here in the UK at what we had Silicon Valley Bank and um, uh, what the regulators did was they got HSBC to stay in there and take over those assets. And that was uh, immediately calmed the market down in terms of SVB's issue in the UK. So we've seen, for instance, a, a resolution and, and as part of the panic. And what you need in that point is, is regulators to act quickly and confidently finding solutions. They did it, obviously, with SVB. They got um, a buyer in the form of HSBC to come forward there. Uh, and that really aligned a lot of the market concerns here. And that was undoubtedly the right thing to do. Um, for Credit Suisse, it's a much bigger problem. And the Swiss regulators have taken a number of controversial decisions about that. And that we'll have to see how those pan out in the longer term. But I think moving forward from here, there certainly is a, a willingness of regulators to step into the market and um, 
they, they realized that, for instance, way back in the credit crisis, that having let um, Lehman Brothers go to the wall probably was not the right decision, and they're determined to not do that again. And so I think we can count on some pretty uh, dramatic action if things start to get bad once again. And one other thing to mention here, of course, is, is Handelsbank's own position. You know, we are, um, if, if you look at Handelsbank in terms of credit default swaps, we're amongst the, the, the banks that are judged least at risk by uh, investors in a, in a very volatile market. Also worth noting that uh, if you look at the rating agencies, um, we are one of the safest banks in the world. And so there's a, an enormous amount of confidence from not just ourselves uh, internally, but also from, from people who, who study uh, us and, and banking in general uh, to our, our position. So I think it's, it's um, certainly one for Handelsbank clients to feel uh, reasonably confident or to, to feel very confident about our position. Yes, and the strength of Handelsbank's uh, balance sheet is definitely arousing interest uh, from, mm. from clients, which is great to see. Um, James, moving on to what we saw last week with the Bank of England interest rate decision, a bit of a dilemma facing the Bank of England. We obviously had all these financial stability issues going on in the background, but then we also had that shock inflation surprise on Wednesday. So what did the Bank of England decide to do? Well, they raised by 25 basis points. Um, that was not necessarily expected by a lot of uh, economists and myself amongst them, um, but it was expected by markets. But let's unpick that decision a little bit. As you say, the first thing was that with the market turmoil, there was a suspicion that the banks were going to lay off, not just uh, here at the Bank of England, but uh, maybe the Federal Reserve would back away as well. Um, the Federal Reserve went up by 25 basis points. That's following the European Central Bank's rise, raising by 50 basis points um, uh, last week or week, or week before. Uh, and so I think there's a number of things in play here. First of all, central banks remain pretty concerned about inflation. As you say, those inflation figure, what inflation figure of the UK was up. Um, it was really only up as a result of food prices, and that food prices were as a result of a poor vegetable crop in um, southern uh, Europe and Morocco, where we, we import a lot of vegetables from there. From there. So I think there were probably some one-off non-economically related um, problems. But... Um, clearly the central bank still wanted to uh, address those. It's also worth noting that um, we have been expecting inflation to fall quite considerably over the course of 2023, certainly the first half of 2023. And it didn't fall in February. It went up, as I say, so very slightly. But I'm not that discouraged about that because, of course, the Russian invasion of Ukraine was on the 24th of February last year. And so you're really only going to see on a year-on-year basis in February as opposed to February. Most of February 2022 was, in fact, pre-invasion. It's only when you get into the March figures you're going to, get a, going to get a full month of inflationary figures coming through against a full month inflationary figures. So it's next month that we'd expect to see uh, that inflation figuring falling quite sharply. And if it doesn't, obviously, there's be other questions to raise at that point. But for the moment, I'm, I'm not uh, discouraged at all. I do think inflation is going to fall quite quickly when we get a March versus March figure, which we should get, obviously, in about a month's time. The other thing to remember, of course, about what's going on with interest if the ECB and the Federal Reserve are moving out, Bank of England right now likes to position itself between those two. And if it didn't raise by 25 basis points, clearly they were going to be falling down, down towards the ECB uh, le uh, level on, on interest rates. And I think that there was a feeling that that was going to, um, one, it would affect sterling, not to say that the Bank of England targets sterling, but it certainly would be worried about the inflationary effects about, about that. And also the message it's sending that it doesn't see, see uh, countering that inflation as being uh, as important as the other central banks do. And I don't think they wanted to send that message at all. So for all sorts of reasons, they decided to go up by 25 basis points. 
I do think, as I said, that's likely to be um, the top and we're likely to remain where we are now until the beginning of next year, which is the point which I think we would start to see um, pressure for interest rates to fall away. Okay, well, good news that you say inflation is still set to fall um, and the base effect, which is what you're outlining, is likely to come in in March or April. But what pick factors that give you confidence that we will see this, this inflation picture falling away by, by the end of 2023? Well, of course, energy remains the only commodity in which is big enough and important enough in the economy to have a big inflationary impact. And so we are seeing you know, those, those falling fuel costs will undoubtedly directly transfer into lower inflation. Um, we are also seeing a, a number of other things, as you pointed. One is, is shipping costs, which we, we got very, very excited about at the beginning of the pandemic, and we saw shipping costs really go up quite markedly. Those have now fallen down, not just to, to um, sort of, you know, lower than they were at the peak, but actually down to pre-pandemic levels. So that's, uh, that's very, very good. And the other issue, of course, um, that's coming through is uh, energy prices. Energy prices have, as I say, fallen quite a lot, but they're still about double the 2019. So whilst we're seeing nothing like the issue, the costs that we were uh, anticipating in um, uh, sort of August of last year, uh, we are still seeing there's quite a big uplift on, on you know, what people are going to spend on, on heating, what people are spending on petrol, et cetera. So um, there's, there's still some inflationary effect that's going to come through and all of that. And the final thing, of course, is why do I think inflation is going to be a bit stickier? Once it gets down to, say, between 3 and 4%, which I expect to be uh, towards the end of this year, I do not expect it to fall down. I certainly don't expect core inflation to fall down um, to below its target level. Uh, and that's because I do think that we're going to see uh, an issue with, with uh, wage rises. We've got a, still a fairly tight labor market. Yes, there's, there's fewer vacancies. Um, yes, there's a, an issue of people who have been discouraged and for one reason or another have stepped out of the labor market. But in general, the unemployment figure does remain low and the number of people employed does remain high. And that does point to um, a lot of times people making and receiving reasonable uh, pay settlements. And in fact, I think they're going to move swiftly over the course of this year from being negative in real terms to being positive. And that's going to be inflationary. And that's, that's likely to be the, the issue that we look at um, at the end of this year, beginning of next year. And that's what um, the Bank of England is going to be struggling against. Okay, just to conclude, so it's interesting that you think inflation is 4%, that's above what the OBR is thinking about, 2.9%. Do you have any estimation of when you think inflation might get back to target? Or are we in an environment where you know, inflation is going to be above target for, for an elongated period? I think that it, it depends a lot on, of course, what, at that point, what happens to um, uh, salaries and the labour force. Uh, certainly, um, you know, if, if we're looking at, say, 3.5% inflation uh, in 2024, um, it could easily take much of that year to, to fade back down. We need to have consumers' expectations as to what their, their longer-term pay is going to be um, um, you know, moving down towards that target level, or productivity moving up. And, of course, that's one of the big challenges for the UK. We've had productivity languishing, really, in this country since 2008. Um, maybe, maybe something surprising will come out of that. It'd be awfully nice to see. I'm just not counting on it. So lots of unknowns there. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. James, thank you very much for those insights as always. And if you've liked what you've heard, don't forget to rate us on where you're listening because it helps other people find us. And you may also want to share this episode on social media. We look forward to seeing you next week 